Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. What's up? I feel like we have not talked for the longest time. It's just been like, it's just been like a week. Well, no. Oh, no, you're right, because we had the live show. You're totally right. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, we haven't talked for a long time. I know. Time. It feels like we talk every day. I know. Well, because we kind of do Twitter and all that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and gossip. But um, <laughs> the... <laughs> The the world is seemingly like kind of changed. I think since we were together in Ottawa for the live show, which was the beginning of May. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sunny out. That's one thing that's changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have leaves back, which is nice. The yes. Raptors are going to the finals for the first time in franchise history. Yeah, yeah. Toronto is literally about to like. We're gonna witness what happens when a city collectively loses its mind. <laughs> Nora really doesn't care about this at all. So <laughs> she's she's like she's pretending for me, but she doesn't care. <laughs> I, okay, let's. I, I I appreciate community. I appreciate people getting together. I I'm not I'm not like put off at all by all of the fun and happiness and stuff like this. I I do get a little bit pissed when I see a global journalist retweeting a cop, both celebrating Toronto for um, nobody getting arrested last night, which of course we're yeah, recording I saw on Sunday. That, that was fucking stupid. This isn't hockey, people. Well, the picture was like literally what people got arrested for doing during the G20. So it was like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, as I was walking down the street last night with a, a mutual friend, we were saying, wow, this actually feels. Like the G20, it's like this is what this feels like. Like, no one's cell phones work. <laughs> so, a little louder. It was a little louder in, in some ways, and like the sounds were different, but it did, it did really feel like. Anyway. The, 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 the joy that, it, that you feel when you take a street, whether you take a street because um, you come from a city where no sports franchise has been successful in the history of the city. Ooh. <laughs> so, for example. Wow. Uh, or you take the street <laughs> because you're um, because you're challenging power. I mean, that is awesome. I mean, anytime people are walking in the street and setting shit on fire, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. It demystifies. Also, might I remind you about the Blue Jays? Fuck you. <laughs> okay, before we start this episode, I have to tell you that in grade one. <laughs> We had to listen to OK Blue Jays every morning before classes started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so my partner and I. (laughs) That sounds like something that we did, too. (laughs) We had to learn that song. My partner and I, uh, he's from Brampton. Uh, We often will get the OK Blue Jays song stuck in in both of our heads as we sing it in the house. <laughs> very funny. Well, go Raptors, I guess. I mean, go um, people feeling happy and celebrating together. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that is not what we're going to talk about. No, no. How else has the world changed, Nora? Um, well, it seems like uh, there's a lot of men telling um, women to relax. Sorry, I thought you said the world had changed. I... <laughs> and then you described something that seemed very typical so try again well that was that was a a a a, a literary tool where you surprise someone by saying something <laughs> that is the opposite of what they expected 
Mm, thank you for explaining that, Nora. What I did was also <laughs> I know it's a literary for the tool. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Excellent. That's for the audience. This is all this is all performance. Right. <laughs> The uh, the right to choose is has been more under attack in the last couple of weeks than, um, you know, in a while, I guess. The lawmakers and uh, and the gross, mostly men around the world are very excited about their recent wins. Yeah. And it's bumming a lot of folks out. Yeah, no shit. And I'm not really in a mood to be bummed out. Like I've I'm I had a good weekend. I don't care about the Raptors, but I'm getting like a lot of positive vibes from people who do. Mm-hmm. So let's try to make this show funny. <laughs> well, then I think what we need to start <laughs> with is Sam Oosterhoff because he's he's just like he's just a funny guy. I feel like I saw him the other day, actually. And um, yeah, he's funny in person, too. Like looking at him, you're like, wow, you are a cartoon. You <laughs> are a cartoon character. I got out of there as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Oosterhoff and friends organized, and if you don't know who that is, he is an MPP in the Ontario legislature. And he uh, organized with crew a rally at Queen's Park in support of reopening the debate around access to abortion. In Ontario, and just generally in this country, I suppose, because that's the real goal. Yeah, it coincided with um, the annual March for Life, which is uh, an event where you know people come out. I guess um, Catholic school kids are bussed into rallies, and I have to say, I don't remember that ever happening at my high school. And if it did, I would like to go back in time and punch people in the face that organized that bus. There's been a, a resurgence of discussion about about. Uh, abortion and and rights to abortion, access to abortion, thanks mostly to decisions that are being made in the United States, and it's it's forcing it's doing two things. It's giving oxygen to like the fetus Oosterhof and his ilk, and it's also causing a lot of Canadians to say, what what is the state of our current abortion legislation and regime and access and all of this stuff, and. I, you know, I, I said I wanted this episode to be funny, but the reality is, is that like it's kind of bad right now. It's not funny. There's nothing. There's nothing funny about it. No, no. Well, I mean, Oosterhof being a fetus is pretty funny. Overgrown. Overgrown fetus. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but there's nothing funny about um, the actual reality of access to a necessary medical procedure in this country right now. Um, and there's there's nothing funny about uh, actually what what Sam Oosterhof and friends have pledged to do at this rally that they had. And many of you will have heard the quote that he said that, uh, you know, they pledged to make abortion unthinkable in our lifetime, which is just such a laughable. It's such a laughable thing. Like how <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do in terms of legislation. Um, people will always think about what they can do um, to control their future, uh, to control their health, Mm -hmm. uh, to control their well-being. And that, my friends, will include access to abortion or abortion, whether or not uh, provided by a medical provider or not. That's just the reality. 
Yeah, and in driving this, I think, is that we've got a break in history, a break in the women's movement, where people really don't know why we've arrived today where we've arrived, where there's no law restricting abortion, just like there's no law restricting fucking brain surgery or a fucking tumor removal. And the the fight that it took to win the elimination of these laws is is pretty hidden. Like you, you kind of have to be in the know. You have to do your own research. It's not really taught in schools. And 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 even the the history that is taught is really sanitized. It's really individualized. Like, you know, like women got together and they fought and they won. Or uh, Henry Morgenthaler like provided abortions and thanks to him it's won. Right. And I think and I think that that's really um, yeah. caused the reaction to be a little bit unstable, destabilized. Because to, mm-hmm. to 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 fight to continue to have the current legal regime that we have or the lack of legal regime that we have because it's a medical procedure like anything else does require a knowledge about where we came from that a lot of folks don't have. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and like the the idea that this is being led in Ontario by someone like Sam Oosterhof, who's like fucking never been educated in the public system. He like all he all he knows is what his parents fucking told him at homeschool. And the only <laughs> reason why he got in there was because he he organized specifically on this issue. I think that that should really scare people because like he's from He's from a region in southern Ontario, southwestern Ontario. That's not far from Toronto. It's just, you know, just outside of Hamilton, between Hamilton and St. Catharines. And um, and he represents people who honestly think that you can make abortion unthinkable. Like, I mean, could you imagine being like, let's make fucking appendectomies illegal or unthinkable or (laughs) fucking... Unthinkable in our lifetime. And... And fucking cataract surgery. Um, and so I, I, I think maybe tonight what's worth what's worth talking about is like, how do we organize around this? How do we talk about this? And what are those pitfalls that, that a lot of people have fallen into? Like the Alyssa Milano's of the world who's all like, no one wants an abortion. And it's like, I don't know. My best friend was like, yeah, she wanted one. Hardcorely. <laughs> okay, so I, maybe one thing that might be helpful also is to, to kind of very just briefly talk about what's happening in the United States because I think that people think... <laughs> I think that we have such poor education about our own system that people really tend to think that whatever is happening in the United States is like kind of also happening in Canada or also possible in Canada. And I think it's important to understand that there's like a significant contextual difference. So in the United States, many of you will have heard that there's been some changes to um what is permissible with respect to abortion in uh, a few different states now. And what essentially the laws that they're putting in place is when an acceptable abortion can happen. And um, the the restriction that they're putting in place is that an acceptable abortion is when uh, like a, there's a fetal heartbeat or something or before a fetal heartbeat, which essentially outlaws abortion. Uh, this is in violation of uh, of laws that have already been established through Supreme Court decisions in the United States. Um, people will often talk about Roe v. Wade. There's also another one um, with Planned Parenthood. And those laws are established through a 
um, interpretation of the American Constitution um, that has to do with perhaps, uh, you know, kind of surprisingly, privacy and individual citizens' rights to privacy. And that is what establishes... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really, you know, like, people should take a look at, uh, you know, if you're interested in this kind of thing about uh, what actually legalizes abortion in America. It's very, very strange, um, uh, the rules around it, but um, it has to do with uh, people's individual access uh, or their individual right to privacy in their in their medical in the medical arena. It's it's actually not about like women's rights in the United States. In Canada, our laws actually uh, our laws that protect our ability to access abortion are much different. Our laws hold uh, as of 1988 um, with the Supreme Court decision Morgan Taller versus you know, the crown, is uh, that the, the previous laws that made abortion illegal were in violation of Section 7 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which is that everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the security of the person and the right not to be deprived thereof, except in accordance with the principles of fundamental justice. And uh, in particular, the, the court decided that uh, people who are able to get pregnant and have children need to have security of the person. And our right to have security of the person um, allows us to have a, make decisions uh, about our own body. And so these things are like, these things are significantly different. The, the, the fight that people are fighting in the United States, I, I would argue that they're, you know, like they, what's happening in the United States is, a, is like a completely different uh, context in terms of like what's happening on a legislative level like people are are fighting a law that was kind of like a roundabout way to to get access to abortion in the first place whereas here what we're actually fighting about um if we were to reopen this deb debate in, a, in the way that sam oosterhoff and friends want to open up is about like who who what does security of the person really mean and who gets it you know like it's it's kind of like asking for a slanted uh understanding of who gets to under who gets to have dominion over their bodies and this this difference is providing a lot of cover for journalists and commentators uh, and politicians who i don't know probably either don't care or actually do oppose abortion to calm Canadians down and say, don't worry, the, the, we're not reopening the abortion debate. And when Andrew Shear says that, I believe him. I'm like, I don't think the Conservative Party is going to put forward a, a motion to change the Constitution or, or, or a motion to, to, to outlaw abortions that would, that would pose a, a constitutional challenge on that question, because of course it would lose. Because that's not what mm -hmm. the fight is going to look like or looks like in Canada. And what the problem is, is that we have we have a lack of, of, of understanding about how our rights are given to us and how they're protected. And so we're able to have uh, Andrew Scheer completely change the channel by saying we're not reopening the abortion debate. And then mostly white male columnists are like they're like relax, hysterical women, like everything's fine. Which is what they're saying. Right. <laughs> that's that's I'm not like I'm making that up. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
what the uh, what the the struggle for access to abortion in Canada is going to look like, and this is where the parallel does, I think, fit with uh, the United States, is that it's always going to be a roundabout way to skirt access to abortion. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be the same roundabout way because the legislation's different. But, you know, you got PEI, which is a province that did not have abortion services until recently, um, even though very recently. very recently, even though it's legal. Um, other other provinces where you have to leave a town or you have to find someone who provides an abortion because it's not just offered like a normal procedure in a hospital. These are the ways that that abortion services get eroded in Canada. And this is the kind of stuff that the anti-abortion lobby is really mobilized on and really understands. The problem, I think, for 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 lefties is it's like <laughs> when when we're fighting against privatization of healthcare, we are also fighting fighting for reproductive justice, and we don't necessarily make those links because abortion has just been this issue that's aside from all other medical procedures. Because a bunch of people like listen to the word of God and believe it, and therefore it is truth. <laughs> like that's what they're really like. That's that's literally the argument against abortion is like God told me it's bad. <laughs> right? I mean, but where if we're even gonna go there? Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't go to Catholic school, so perhaps like you know, it actually does say uh, at some point in the red letter text, abortion is bad. But I. <laughs> don't recall that being a part of my Sunday school service. But uh, one thing that I think that we that is similar to what's happening in the United States, too, is the way that um, the way that this is being organized. And I don't just mean by, uh, you know, uh, these really uh, fucking bored, I guess, men. Like, I don't understand why these men like have picked this as their thing. And it's, you know, it's always men at the at, at the helm of this but mm-hmm. uh you know it's not just that 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 makes it similar what makes it similar is um some of the organizing tactics that are that are being employed to make this possible so one thing that's happening quite clearly is attempting to shift the acceptable uh debate around uh abortion from something that um is less acceptable uh, to, to discuss uh, limiting uh, a person's right to choose what happens to their own bodies to, to making it more access, uh, acceptable to discuss that. And as we've talked about before, a lot of that work happens um, on campuses. A lot of that work happens in, uh, in high schools, mm-hmm. in Catholic schools. And so there's been a concerted effort over the years uh, to change the channel on this debate, to shift this debate by talking to really young people and to try to influence them uh, get them involved in um in organizing in uh in these in these big rallies and and uh, demonstrations that happen um to to shift the debate later on as they grow older and like i'm i don't have a problem with uh young people being involved in activism at all not not at all but i do think um there's something really sinister about these organizations many of whom are uh funded through um uh these organizations in the united states 
coming into to classrooms and creating like field trips that everybody has to go on in, in certain types of schools to, to shift them to the, the Queens Park to mm-hmm. rally around this issue. It's like, it's, it's very bizarre. Um, and I do have also an issue with uh, such organizations attempting to uh, use some of the same tactics that we see from men's rights associations, from um, the white supremacist organizations we see on campuses, uh, trying to exploit the idea of free speech uh, to go onto campuses and really uh, do some disgusting things, um, some traumatizing things Mm -hmm. uh, in order to attempt to shift the debate. Yeah, you saying that it's sinister is, is I think, so right on because... It, like the, the question about abortion is very theoretical until mm-hmm. you get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, 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 and I say that and it might be obvious. And certainly if you're listening to this podcast and you've been pregnant, <laughs> like you probably know exactly what I mean. And if you've never been pregnant uh, and you're still fully, fully pro-choice, like you at least can empathize with what it would happen, what it would mean in your life. Right. But but when you're in high school, like, it's completely theoretical. Like, sure, you might get pregnant in high school, but, like, the vast majority of kids are not necessarily, like, f- having tons of sex, right? Like, it, it's, it becomes more a reality the, the older you get. And you start to realize, like, I don't know if, about you, but, like, I remember having this moment when I was in university where I was like, holy shit, like, I'm fully responsible for my actions. Like, I would, I am, I w- if I fuck up, I am fucked, right? as an adult like you just come to the age as an adult not that I would have not been fucked as a, as a child but everything about like growing into an adult makes you realize that wow if in this situation if I get pregnant everything's derailed and it's like the only argument then becomes well do you are you in a place where you can parent a child or not and people have tons of different ways to make that decision for themselves and, and, and they can be and, and no way that you make that decision is wrong. If you have agency over yourself and you are guided by a religious belief or you're guided by uh, your conscience or you're guided by your desire to be a fucking war correspondent and having a baby is not fucking possible right now. Like whatever, whatever ch- choice you make is like great. And do you know who doesn't get to have a fucking say in that choice? The state your family, if you don't want them to have a say in that choice, the person who impregnated you, if you don't want them to have that choice, right? It's like, these are actually, you know, as someone who's really collectivist and and believes in society, like abortion really is one of these decisions that is quite personal. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, even, even a man who's like, oh my God, I can't believe that she's going to abort our baby. It's like, sorry, motherfucker, you get zero, zero opinion on this until that baby's screaming in the real world. Zero opinion on it. Mm -hmm. And, and I say that, I mean, I've, I've been, I, like, as a child, I was really sympathetic to the argument that, well, just, just like, you know, give your child up for adoption or whatever. And it's like, there are children who need to be adopted. And that's a, that's a, uh, an industry that is fraught and important, like, that's full of contradictions. But fuck, like, having been pregnant... I mean, there's nothing more horrible than being pregnant. Like the women that are like glowing with like full hair that are like, oh, I'm so beautiful as pregnant. It's like, God bless them. Because, because that was not my experience. And no, no, my experience was absolutely horrible, horrible. And yeah. I, th- that was like a facetious question. I did see you during that time. 
you know, I know, and I, I, I know, I'm, I'm making sure that people who, uh, <laughs> yeah, who, who yeah, didn't yeah. get to see me We're glowing and beautiful, <laughs> understand. I get it. <laughs> but when you're talking about these these kids, really, who are, are are the are the ones who are kind of mobilizing on the ground, like I'll never forget being uh, at Young and uh, and Gould, uh, which is the, the the gateway of my old campus at Ryerson. Ryerson, which was a campus where the anti-choice movement never demonstrated because we would we always were like there like they couldn't. There was no social license for them to be on that campus and demonstrate. They'd always go somewhere else in Toronto, often U of T. And so to be back on my campus, it was four years ago and a young man, like probably 19 or 18, with a big sign showing a fucking bloodied mess telling me that abortion is wrong. And it was like I kicked the sign out of his fucking hand. And all I could think of was the moment where I was told that one of my two twins, because I have twins, would not survive pregnancy. And that if we got a specific genetic test back positive, we would have to abort him to save the other child. And it's like, and that would have been a late term abortion. It would have, we probably would have had to wait actually like really kind of close to the end. It obviously would put the other baby into um, danger and it would, and it's uh, like, thanks to no making of my own. Those are genetic things that are totally random and, um, and, and not a condition that's survivable or anything like this. It would have been a not a viable uh, baby. It would, he would not have survived. I, I was so fucking furious at this little piece of shit, knowing that you know he's like 70% being used and 30% he's a little piece of shit. And it's like, what the fuck purpose is this? And these folks were all probably organized, I think, probably through like some sort of Catholic youth group or whatever. And it's and it's like, you know, fuck, fuck the church if they actually think that their parishioners believe in this shit, because abortion remains a highly popular issue in Canada, because anyone who has been close to a pregnancy, whether or not that they've gone through the pregnancy themselves or, or their partners did and they were supportive through that, understand fundamentally all of the ways in which women or people who can be pregnant, lives can be fucked by an unwanted, unviable, accidental, forced pregnancy. Yeah. And it makes me like, it makes me wonder, like, what is, what is the real purpose behind this shit? Because, I mean, I, I believe that probably the real purpose behind this shit is just misogyny. Um, in understanding that you know it's not just women who have abortions but from the from the point of view of the people who are trying to to change this stuff it's like misogyny but it's like you know most of this crap that uh, happens in society like the the gross crap has some sort of like um some sort of fucking logic that someone is employing on the other side like whether it's a, a logic that makes sense or a gross logic and I I actually, you know, it does like the religious logic doesn't really make sense if you stack it up against all the different types of religious stuff that could be happening. It doesn't. Um, I I think it's just about control of women. Generally, like I think it's about misogyny because it's it's not actually about like these principles of life. I think that that's like really obvious that um, it's not about people being like you know life is precious because these people don't actually give a shit about life as a whole otherwise (laughs) this wouldn't be the the only campaign they were running um it has something to do with fucking 
the way that men interact with everybody else in society because they're so into it <laughs> when compared with anybody else. And so I, I really think that this, like the logic behind this stuff, uh, you know, has nothing to do with what the status, stated goals are, but do have something to do with a division of labor in our society, a return to the status of men in our society vis-a-vis -vis women. Um, and, like, I can't think of what else it could possibly be because it's not what, what people are saying. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't bear out Mm -hmm. properly mm -hmm. like like even with the story that you just told anyone who understands anything about health um and the way that uh it's not quite so simple as they tell you in you know the children's books you know you get pregnant and you have a baby that's not the actual story mm -hmm. that's not <laughs> that's not how this shit works um it's a journey and sometimes the journey most of the time the journey isn't as simple as we'd like to, to put down in these books. And I think that um, the people who are kind of the architects of these campaigns know that quite well. So, I mean, what is the real point? I think that the real point is that capitalism thrived thrives when women are in their place. And so it is not just a return to women being in the home. I actually don't think it's that. I think, and I, I, I suspect you'll probably agree with me, that the way that this plays itself out in the United States, and let's talk about the United States first, because I think it might be a bit different in Canada, but um, the way it plays itself out in the United States is that under a private health care system, abortion's not going to go away. It just means that abortion is only for like rich white ladies. And so what it does is it then also serves to create an exploited labor class, uh, create uh, an entrenched poverty because, uh, you know, young women who might accidentally get pregnant at 19 or 20 or, or even younger, like have to become parents. And that has racial implications to it. And so it's actually the most efficient mm -hmm. way to maintain the ideal society for how the United States has always run itself. And so, I mean, like, and it's misogyny, obviously, as you say, it's, it's straight up misogyny. And, and that's why the arguments don't make any sense. Like when the, the current had a feature a couple of weeks ago now where they invite, they fucking started it with a guy who runs some fucking bullshit pro fucking so man's <laughs> association. That was such a terrible segment. It, it's you really should take a listen to it if you want to like um, if you want to gouge your eyes out and your and put them inside of your ears. He he literally had no argument and obviously he has no argument as you say this this is this doesn't make any sense like the religious argument doesn't hold up in really against the reality of the situation, except he kept on talking about the abortion industry, which of course it doesn't exist in Canada where you don't have private fucking health care and of course. That didn't get challenged or anything. They're just like, oh, yes, it's very nice. And it's these people who, who make money off of abortions. Behind what you can hear is like, no, but actually they want to just make money off of having surplus labor from all of these folks who couldn't afford an abortion. I think that what you said is just so important um, 
to understand from people who are who are listening uh, and thinking about this debate. If you remove safe access to abortion, there you know people often discuss that yes, uh, abortions will still happen and they will be unsafe, but they'll only be unsafe for people who can't afford to pur- purchase uh, safe abortions. Um, and so I think that, that is is such a crucial thing to understand. Um, and again, it is about removing control um, in a misogynist way, but also in in a class way. It is uh, the removal of control over your own destiny um, in a racial way, in a gendered way, in a classed way um, that does provide in maybe a way that's not quite so obvious if you're just looking at the, the debate on abortion on the face of it, but it does provide real subsistence to a capitalist system. And I, you know, I don't actually think that I've heard it discussed in this way before. Like, I don't, I don't think I've heard a debate or heard read an article, um, perhaps like a, a like a, a think piece in the last couple of weeks or something. I think I tweeted something about it or retweeted something, maybe from Rania Al Mugamar had stated on, on Twitter that was like, uh, you know, exactly this. And I, I've maybe read like a small think piece before. But I, but I haven't really heard it discussed in this way before, and it's such a, it's a, such a crucial part of the conversation. Um, and I suspect uh, that the architects of these laws and the architects of the people who are trying to challenge the laws that ex- exist in the United States and who are undoubtedly uh, charting a map to challenging similar laws, uh, or the, the very different laws, actually, in Canada, um, know that and know that very well. Yeah, and, and I had said that I think it's different in Canada, and I want to I want to go back to that because I, I think that I mean we it's not as if our society is is not in operating in the same capitalist model, and it's not the society is not equally um, racially classed, but in Canada because it's a, a a human rights issue that and it's a right that's given to that's a protected right to all Canadians. We see uh, controlling women's bodies happen in different ways. And so we see forced sterilization of Indigenous women. It's a practice that we know uh, probably still happens, but has certainly happened uh, extremely recently in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And we see uh, access restricted to, to just make sure that people are, are, are in completely desperate situations uh, or they can't, um, or they, or they just can't access the the healthcare that they need to. And so, you know, Usterhoff provides a fucking sideshow because he's a fucking clown, a fetus clown. But he, um, but the sideshow hides the fact that every single cut to, um, to healthcare and to education is all also going to play a role in access to reproductive justice, whether that is knowing your rights and knowing your options. Or that's literally being able to have an abortion in a public hospital. It is really embarrassing to watch um, lawmakers, both in the United States, well, actually just in the United States, and just people generally in Canada talk about abortion and not have a clue what they're talking about. Like really either like don't yeah. understand the law, don't understand history, don't understand medicine, don't understand bodies, don't understand you know, like general, like basic shit about, you know, how the body works. It's just, 
it's bizarre. It's hilarious, but it's also um, intentional. I'm sure uh, the way that you know the the way that it is decided what we learn in school, like what's really important, like the five thousand math classes we have to take versus like the one course that you get to take <laughs> about your body. Um, one time maybe in grade seven <laughs> it's just like you know really it's just really weird and but I but I do think that um there is an intentionalness to um what what we're able to know about ourselves and our world and I'm not saying that the like the architects of the curriculum are like anti-choice it's not what I'm getting at here but I do think that there's a way that um our education system allows debates like this to crop up again and again for people who need uh, a medical uh, need this medical procedure to be accessible, don't have the power to decide um, that don't necess- don't aren't the people who are generally having the power to decide that it is necessary for us to have a history class that teaches us about you know how um, this type of uh, right was established in this country and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of research for a project that I'm working on right now, and I came across um, a Sunday edition uh, look back uh, at the abortion fight, which was, I think, done in 2017. So it's, it's pretty new. But it has tape in it of, of Pierre Trudeau meeting with, uh, with the folks that organized the abortion caravan in 1970, mm-hmm. I think. 1969, 1970. And Trudeau had just... Um, he had changed, he brought in an abortion law in Canada that allowed abortion to be legal, like in certain circumstances. And it's an incredible uh, thing to hear. I think we should link to it on our page because because at one point the, the, the women in the room are, are kind of like, like angry. You cannot believe the things that are coming out of his mouth because they're like, so what, like all your law has done, because Trudeau was pissed that the women were pissed at him because he did this law that was so important was like going to emancipate women. But they were saying, well, that's great that you could get an abortion for somebody. You can pay for the abortion. But what about the person that can't pay for it? And he responds with a big, so? <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? It, it's, yes, it is so so good you have to listen to it and and it's just a reminder of like the radical action the clandestine abortions the meetings and the rallies and the movement that was built to be able to build the public consensus to allow the supreme court to to strike down canada's abortion laws mm-hmm. and and the problem with it, and I remember learning this as a kid, where it's like it doesn't make any sense that that there's no laws around abortion of course you should have something that that explains when or, or, or how an abortion should happen, not really thinking about the fact that we don't have laws around any medical procedure, right? Because mm-hmm. it is it has been so politicized and it has been so um, uh, the, 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 the hold of the of the religious right or the far right has, has been so strong on this issue. But knowing that history is so critical because it means that today the only way that we will defend reproductive services and access to abortion, is through organizing a movement. And like I'm really great that people are sharing their stories about their own abortion or or whatever to be able to speak out about like normalize it. But that's not a movement. I mean that is that's us talking to one another. And 
I'm afraid that because there's no common history about the fight to strike down Canada's abortion laws, that that passes for movement building in a lot of people's minds just because for lack of anything else, because what the heck else is going on? <laughs> and so, I mean, anybody organizing around the Women's Day marches and actions or, or, or whatever, like the, not the Women's Day marches, the um, January 20th uh, fucking thing about Trump, it's like, we still have to organize and fight and defend and win arguments and confront people that want the state to prohibit abortion. We have to still do this. And so major shout out to the folks who organized in Grimsby to scare that piece of little shit punk fetus motherfucker to not even get out of his fucking car. And now he's like had to cancel meetings with high school students at Catholic high schools who are like, fuck you, motherfucker. And he's all like, okay, I'm leaving. (laughs) Like, that's his base. Like, what? Yup, yup. And so that is the kind of stuff that absolutely has to happen. And it has to always happen. Like, we can never be asleep at the wheel on this issue. Because the stakes are so high for the side that wants to make it illegal. That that they'll fucking train child soldiers to be the ones in the streets telling women who've literally been pregnant and literally had to think about these issues that they're fucking I'm not sure what evil or some shit and it's like sorry kid I'm gonna fucking smash your sign yeah or you know it gets even worse I mean um, we go back to a world where these uh, clinics are being firebombed and the type of organizing that we have to do is not just the political education but you know um using our bodies to protect people who might otherwise be killed uh by the the like terrorism that can be spawned around this issue i want to mention one thing too um that i think you know a lot of uh non-binary and trans folks have raised is the way that we talk about abortion and i i think on this episode i'm sure that we've been you know women exclusive and um and I want to state like very clearly that I think w- we have so much to learn the mainstream mainstream feminists and how we talk about this stuff. And I want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that I have fucked this up like consistently and I'm, you know, trying <laughs> like, you know, like everyone else we're trying. Mm-hmm. But I say that I fucked this up consistently because like I think it's important to acknowledge that. But also, like, fuck, imagine we had a women's movement where actually this language could have evolved over the years as trans and non-binary folks got involved and more prominent in these movements. <laughs> like, imagine we had a space for this, like, mm-hmm. collection, the collective knowledge creation, and instead we're just like, oh my god, abortion, holy, holy shit, like, we don't, we haven't talked about this in 30 years, and then it's like, yeah, and then we're all using language that's 30 years fucking old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this will not. This is not just a just a women's issue, and it it won't just affect women, um, and it never has been, and it uh, it won't be going into the future. And so we have to be uh, aware that there's a whole sector of health um, that devalues uh, women for sure, and then there's the entire healthcare system um, that devalues uh, people who are neither women nor men and uh or who are trans uh and i think that uh i i also want to acknowledge what you've just said um and that we do need better language uh, to be able to talk about this stuff but we also need to make sure that we have a full uh understanding and appreciation uh for who we're talking about who is uh, being affected by these debates and um who the state these men 
are trying to control. And there's a lot of us who have a lot at stake. Thank you.